We're going to be in the Old Testament this morning in the message, 1 Chronicles chapter 28. 1 Chronicles 28, nearing the end of his reign as king and in his latter years, uh, he has a desire. He has a desire to honor the Lord with his life and, and serve the Lord by preparing for him and building for him a temple up to this point, the Ark of the Covenant, that symbol of God's presence among them, has been dwelling or living, if you will, in a tent, a tabernacle, a, a temporary dwelling place. And, and David looks at his house and he says, boy, this is, you know, this is a beautiful place for me to live. But meanwhile, God's established my house here on this earth and my kingdom, and yet his dwelling place here on earth is is you know under curtains basically it's living in a tent and so it came into his heart to try and build this temple for the Lord well the Lord had told him that that wasn't acceptable God wasn't going to receive that from him because that really wasn't ultimately it wasn't the purpose for which God had called him God had called him to be a king he'd called him to be a conqueror but because of that, he had also, uh, his hands had blood on them. Not only because of his sin, we certainly see some errors and failures in David's life, but even just because he was a man of war. Maybe you remember that there was a, a kind of a common phrase, a common saying that, was, that would go around Israel uh, about David. It said, Saul hath slain his thousands... And David is ten thousands. And so David was known, even in Israel, as a man of war, a, a mighty warrior, and was certainly greatly used of God. But God said, listen, you've been a man of war. You've got blood on your hands. Those aren't the hands that I want building my house. Uh, I want someone to build my house who is, uh, who is pure, who doesn't have, hasn't been tainted like you have. And so he chose his son Solomon. So David then... Uh, rather than building the house of the Lord, he said, well, maybe, maybe God doesn't want me to build it, but at the very least, I'm going to take and, and assemble all of the materials that are going to go into that temple that's going to be built for the Lord. And he spent some time uh, and effort gathering together not only wood, but silver and gold and precious stones and all of these things to build a beautiful temple to the Lord. And we come to 1 Chronicles 28. He's assembling the people of Israel together to give them a charge in regard to building this house of the Lord. And so if you're there in 1 Samuel 20 or 1 Chronicles rather, 1 Chronicles 28, let's stand together if you're able to as we read beginning in verse number 1 and we'll read down through verse 10. It says and David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course. And, captain, and the captains over the thousands, and captains over the hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance of the possession of the king and of his sons, with the officers, and with the mighty men, and with all the valiant men unto Jerusalem. Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had in mine heart to build an house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and for the footstool of our God, and, to, and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build an house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. Howbeit the Lord, thy God, the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father 
to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler. And of the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he liked me to make me king over all Israel. And of all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons, he hath chosen Solomon my son to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto me, Solomon thy son, he shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. Now therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land, and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. Listen very closely to the next two verses. And thou, Solomon my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart, and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in these next few moments as we look into your word, I just want to ask, Lord, that you would give us understanding of your purpose and your design in our lives. And Father, may we learn from this message that David gave to his son Solomon in regard to serving the Lord. And may we follow this instruction to know you and serve you and find your will for our lives and to do it. And Lord, would you just bless in this message, I pray, speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I gave you the background on all of that, and then we read this passage of Scripture so that you'd get a real good understanding of what is going on here. First, David kind of recounts to Israel uh, what the Lord, how the Lord has led him and why they're assembled there that day. And then he gives to Israel a charge in regard to obeying the, the voice of the Lord and, and following him. And then it's as though he turns to Solomon. And in the sight of all of the people, he gives Solomon some very powerful and important words of instruction as he is about to receive the, the crown. He is about to become king. And he is being given a very important task. Solomon would go on to build the, the temple that one of the seven wonders of the ancient world uh, King Solomon's temple, uh, an incredible uh, piece of architecture, uh, uh, an incredible display of riches and wealth, and an incredible uh, uh, picture to all the world of God's blessing upon the nation of Israel. Uh, Solomon was the one who would be known for building this temple. Now, let's just fast forward to where we sit today and understand that the God that we serve doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. And they even knew that back then. Uh, the building that we're in today, this isn't the house of God because it's a building. It's the house of God because it's the assembly of God's people. It is his church. 
We understand that a building really has nothing to do with the presence of God. And in the New, New Testament times that we live in today, the presence of God dwells among us in His people because our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so we, we need to understand that we're not setting out today to build some kind of a temple to the Lord in service to Him. But I, I do think that there are some lessons for us from this passage of Scripture in regard to serving the Lord. Ultimately, the building of the temple of the Lord was simply an act of service to God. It was a desire to, to do that which was pleasing to the Lord. It was, in a sense, making a, uh, an offering to the Lord, saying, Lord, because of all you are, we want to give the very best that we have for you. And I think that even today, as New Testament Christians, not going about to, to build a temple, we certainly set out, or we ought to set out, to serve the Lord. And we want our lives to be a statement to the world, and to the Lord more than anyone, that because of all that the Lord is and who He is, because He is worthy, that our lives ought to be, to the very best of our ability, the, the best that we can give to the Lord, a sacrifice for Him. But as we set out to serve the Lord, even though we're in a different time, I think we can learn some things that David taught Solomon, his son, about serving God. And I want to just preach to you this morning on some lessons about serving from King David. And here's what you find. <clears throat> Verse number 9, look what he says, And thou, Solomon, my son, Know thou the God of thy father. What, what, a, what a statement that David makes. Here is the king who has together probably, you know, the equivalent today. He's assembled together hundreds maybe of millions of dollars worth of materials to be built into a temple before the Lord. Here he's about to pass the torch to his son Solomon and he will become king in his place. And of all the things that David could say to Solomon, his son, he says, son, I want you to know God. He speaks to him about a relationship. Now, David, he was that sweet psalmist of Israel. He was the one that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. If you read through the Psalms, those writings of David, you find that he was a man who loved God, who worshipped God and served God. But there was a realization in his mind that just because he knew God and loved God did not automatically mean that his son would know God. Boy, that is a burden on my heart as a father. Because I know what God has done for me, and I know how God has saved me, and though my relationship with Him is not always perfect because I am a flawed and sinful human being, I'm thankful that I have a God that I know and I love Him and, and I have the ability to serve Him. But I have six sons and one daughter. And I want them to grow up and be prosperous and have successful, healthy, happy lives. But more than anything, I want them to know the God that I know. But I realize that just because I am their father, that is no guarantee that they will know my God. Just because I'm a pastor does not assure me that my children, ch children will come to know him. In fact, first, or John chapter 1, 
verse number 12 says, As many as received him, that's Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name. Verse 13 says, Which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, the only way that you become a child of God is by individual and personal faith in Him. It doesn't come through your bloodline. It really doesn't matter if your parents are Christians. If they know the Lord, what matters is if you know Him personally. And so here is a charge from a, a father to a son that says, Son, I want you to know the God that I know. Know the Lord. So he speaks to him about a relationship. And why is this so significant? Because it's significant because relationship always has to come before service. Relationship has to come before service. You, you see, it would, would have been very possible for, for David to say, Now, Solomon, here is all the material for the temple. I want you to be diligent. Put your hand to the work. Do the very best that you can do. Use the wisdom that God has given to you and, 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 and give him your all and, and get busy about serving God because in the end, you're just going to be thankful that you gave your life to serve God. But that's not what he said. He charges him and challenges him concerning his service to the Lord. But before he gets into any of that, he says, you need to know him. You see, sometimes we as human beings uh, set in, in place of our relationship with God, our service to God. And we allow that to become first. We think that somehow the more that we serve, the, the busier that we are, the harder we work, that, 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 that's an indication that we're closer to God. But folks, that is not the case. In fact, I, I want to say to you that there are times that there have been times in my life where my service to God and my ministry has even gotten in the way of my relationship with God. Isn't it amazing how that can happen? You can get so busy doing and you forget that more important than doing is being. More important than what you do is your relationship, your fellowship with God. That is to be the foundation of everything that we do. We ought to serve God from a heart of love. But if we don't have that love because we don't have the relationship, then really our service is in vain. We're just busy. We're just working. And we become kind of these performance-based acceptance people where we think the more that I do, the more God will be pleased with me. And so the answer to all of life's problems is just to do more. I was in a church for a period of time in my life, and I'm very thankful that the Lord led me out of there. But I was in this, in this church as a young man and, and really a young Christian in, in a lot of ways where that was kind of the, the, the idea that, you know, the, the busier you are and the harder that you're working and the more diligent you are, the more spiritual you are. And we even had a, a, a saying that we would say kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know, soul winning covers a multitude of sins. And that was the answer to everything. You got a, a spiritual problem in your life, just go out and reach more people and get busy. Now listen, I am all about serving God, but friend, our service to God ought not be a replacement for a relationship with God. It can't get in the way. It, it, it can't be put first. That's putting the, the cart before the horse. 
And, and so what is David saying here to Solomon? He says, Solomon, first and foremost, the most important thing in your life, know God, know him, love him, seek him, desire him, because that is the greatest aspect of the life of service to God is a relationship with him. Hold your place here and go with me to the book of Luke, if you will. The book of Luke and chapter number 10. Luke chapter 10. And we find here really a, a good illustration or example of this in two ladies. Two ladies that knew Jesus and loved him. And they wanted to express their love toward him. And it says in Luke 10 and verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So here you have these two ladies, sisters, and as they receive Jesus into the house, Martha's busy uh, making food and, 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 and preparing, uh, trying to play hostess in that way, and making sure that Jesus has all of his needs met. Meanwhile, uh, Mary takes it upon herself to just kind of be the entertainment and she's just going to sit there and talk to Jesus and obviously Martha then begins to be jealous of her and angry at her because she's not pulling her weight around here and she's not helping out and so she comes to Jesus and she says Jesus you know this isn't fair my sister's just sitting here I'm doing all of this work and Jesus corrects her and he says there's one thing that's needful Mary has chosen that better part, just to sit at my feet. Now, there's some things to, to mention about that, but I want you to notice what it says about Martha. It says in verse number 40 that Martha was cumbered about much serving. We don't use the word cumbered all that much in our modern vernacular, but we will use the word sometimes cumbersome. Have you ever lifted a box that's just kind of awkward and heavy? It's not, it's not necessarily even that heavy, it's just cumbersome. It's just in the way. It's just difficult to maneuver. That, that's, that, it, she was cumbered. She was uh, challenged. She was having difficulty in what she was doing. And then Jesus says to her in verse 41, Martha, Martha, thou art careful. Well, that word careful, it's the same word we find it over in Philippians chapter 4 where the Bible tells us be careful for nothing. And it has that idea of being overcome and overburdened and overwhelmed and, and, and worried and anxious. He says, thou art careful and troubled about many things. So here's Martha. She's busy serving, but notice that that service was not out of a heart of joy. It was difficult. It was dreadful. It was cumbersome. It was troubling and she was worried and fearful and stressed out have you ever gotten that way in your service to the Lord I have 
where it just becomes a burden. It just becomes difficult. It, it, it's, it's just not fun anymore, you know, and it's just hard. And man, I've had days where, you know, I get out of bed and it's like, I got to do this and this and this and this. And I could say it's all for the Lord, but in reality, I have no joy in doing it. I'm just cumbered about. Now listen, the answer to that is not to stop serving. And let me just reiterate that because I've seen people get in that place and, and however you want to describe it, oh, I'm just burned out. I've, I've just, you know, I've overextended myself, and so I've got to pull back. And what happens usually is people just kind of keep pulling back and pulling back, and pretty soon they're not doing anything. And it's difficult to get them to even come to church sometimes. And you can't get them to be involved or commit to anything. The answer isn't to stop serving. Here is what the answer is, though. Learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. Learn that your service to him ought not to be troubling and burdensome, but actually should come from a heart of love. And that one thing that is needful has to take priority. Martha was cumbered about much serving. Jesus said in verse 42, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part. He said, you know, Mary learned something that you didn't know or you maybe forgot, that you need to get alone with God. You need, to, you, you need to be stirred up in your heart and in your spirit again about your love for the Lord. It's so easy, friend, to get just kind of busy doing without having that relationship where it needs to be. And I believe that, that David, in his wisdom, was addressing Solomon and saying, Listen, Solomon... More important than the service is your knowledge and your love for the Lord. You need to love Him. You know, that really is the first and great commandment, to love the Lord thy God. You know, we can, we can talk, and, and, and uh, most of us probably in this room can talk about things that we do in service to the Lord. Uh, many of you got up this morning and you came to the Lord's house with something that you were tasked with today. Uh, maybe to uh, sing in the choir or to teach a Sunday school class or to work in the nursery uh, or work in the sound booth or greet people at the door, whatever. You had some area of service today. Or maybe this last week you came and you cleaned in the building here and getting it ready for the service today. Uh, maybe you came and and, and uh, went out on, on visitation yesterday and knocking on doors and telling people about Christ. But whatever it is, we can talk about things we do in service to the Lord. And most of us can say that. Yeah, I serve God. But let me ask you this. Do you love God? I mean, do you really love Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? Is, it, is there something real in your fellowship with God that you can say, I love my God. I know him. David said, Solomon, know him. Service is not a replacement for relationship. You cannot uh, come to God or, or get closer to God through your service to him. Rather, you ought to serve him because of that relationship. And so he, he talks about this relationship, and then it does bring us to that next point as we go back to 1 Chronicles 28, that there ought to be willing service. If you love him, and if you know him, you should serve him. 
If you have a relationship with God, if you love God, there ought to be something in you that just kind of overflows into service for God. Verse number 9 again in 1 Chronicles 28, it says, And thou, Solomon my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. He said, son, I, I want you to know God and to love him. And because you know him and love him, I want you to serve him with a perfect heart. That means a heart that is pure, that your motives are simply because you love God. And a willing mind, where you're just willing to say, Lord, whatever you want for me, I, I, I'm willing to do it because God is looking at your heart. Do you know that the natural outcome of a heart of love for God will be service? You'll serve Him. If you love Him, you will serve Him. I... Uh, this morning, my, my wife got up early, and she started to make breakfast. Now, my wife had a long night. She was up with uh, at least one of the kids several times in the night, and she had a long night. She got up early this morning, and she made breakfast for me. And why did she do that? She didn't have to do that. I didn't ask her to do that. I didn't expect her to do that. But she did that because she wanted to show me her love for me. What did she do? Out of love, she served me. It's, it's a natural thing. You can't say that you love God if you won't serve him. Now, again, I don't want to put the cart before the horse and, and, and get people thinking, well, I just, I, you know, I've got to get in church. I've got to get busy. I've got to serve because that's what God wants me to do. No, you need to, you need to get alone with God. You need to get a relationship with God. But if your heart is right before him, you'll want to serve him. It won't be, it, it, it won't be a, a strain and a struggle. Oh man, I have to do this. It'll be a joy to serve the Lord if your relationship with Him is where it ought to be. You, you should be looking for opportunities. Lord, where is somewhere that I can get plugged in and, and get busy about your work so that I can show you out of a heart of love that I, I truly want to obey you? Go back with me, if you would, to the book of Deuteronomy. In chapter 10, we're going to look at a, a couple of verses of scripture here, or a few of them. Deuteronomy chapter 10, and notice with me verse number 12 of this chapter as Moses is reminding them of, of God's commandments for their lives. And, and he says to them in Deuteronomy 10 and verse number 12, And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. That you would love him, and that you would serve him. Go across the page to chapter 11, and uh, look with me at verse 13. It says, And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. There you see it again. Love him and serve him. If you love God, you will serve him. Go forward just a little bit more. Next book, Joshua chapter 22. Joshua 22. 
And we could look a whole lot of places this morning, but I just picked these three just to show you the connection here. Joshua 22, and look at verse number 5. It says here, But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law, which Moses the servant of the Lord charged you, to love the Lord your God, and to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, and to cleave unto him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. And again, I could show you verse after verse after verse in the Bible today that makes that connection. You ought to love him and serve him. You don't see a commandment just serve him without the love being there. But trust me, friend, your service, your, your love will automatically flow out into service. There is a connection between the two. Jesus said it, right? No man can serve two masters for either he will love the one and hate the other or else he will cleave to the one and despise the other, right? Your love and your service are connected. So love him and then serve him. But then I want to bring you back to 1 Chronicles 28. Now I want you to notice something very important here. And I don't want you to miss this. Look at verse number 10, 1 Chronicles 28. He says, Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. He says, Solomon, you need to know God. You need to serve God. But you also need to understand something. God has called you to something. He has chosen you for a purpose. Do it. The theme, or at least a major theme of this passage that we read... And maybe you caught on, maybe you didn't, but a major theme is actually God's choosing. Look, if you will, at verse number 3 of the, this chapter. David said, But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build an house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. Howbeit, the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler. And of the house of Judah, the house of my father. In other words, he chose my father's house. And among the sons of my father, he liked me. He chose me to make me king over Israel. So what, what is David saying? He said, it came into my heart. It was, it was in my heart to do something for God, to build this temple for him. But that was not God's purpose for me. God had a different purpose for me. His purpose for me was to be the king over Israel. He had set me apart for that purpose, to be victorious, to win some battles, to bring victory to the nation, God chose me for that. So even though I had this desire to build this temple, that wasn't God's calling on my life. He chose me for a different purpose. But then he said, very next verse, verse 5, And of all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons, he hath chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto me, Solomon thy son he shall build my house and my courts. For I have 
chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. In other words, David says, really to all of us, we need to know God and we need to serve God. But thirdly, we need to understand God's purpose individually, specifically for us and do it. Did you know that God has a purpose for you? God has a purpose for you as an individual. God makes no mistakes. And he made no mistake when he created you. He created you for a purpose. And by the way, child of God, he made no mistake when he saved you. And he's gifted you, according to 1 Corinthians 12, he's given to you a gift that is to be used for his glory. Now, God has not chosen to use all of us in exactly the same way. We're all very different. But God has a purpose for my life. God has a purpose for my children. And it may be different than his purpose for my life. He may have chosen them to do something different than he chose me to do. And he chose you to do something for him. And here he's saying to Solomon, here's what he chose you to do, son. He chose to make you king. But he also chose to use you to build this temple. And because that is his calling and his purpose on your life, here is my admonition, very simple. Be strong and do it. Can I say to you, Christian friend, that it is important that you know and love God. And really, as a pastor, my heart's desire for you is that you would know and love God. There's really nothing more that I desire for you than that. That you would know the Lord. That you would, first of all, be saved. If you have not received Christ as your Savior, get that settled with Him today. Know Him. But that you'd walk with Him in fellowship with Him. That you'd draw close to Him. I want that for you. I want you to serve him. I, I, it, it grieves me, folks. I'm not singling anyone out, but it grieves me when I see God's people that are just content just to come and attend and aren't interested in being plugged in and involved. There are things for you to do right here in this place where you can serve the Lord, and you ought to be serving the Lord. If you know him and you love him, serve him. Serve him. There's all kinds of opportunities for you around here. Serve the Lord. But I want you to know that there is something that God wants you to do that he has chosen you for. He wants you to do it. He has a specific will for your life. Find it and do it. Do you know that one of the most common questions that I get from people, really, and it's phrased in a lot of different ways, but it all boils down to this. How do I really know God's will for my life? I'm trying to make this decision or that decision. How do I know what God wants me to do? How do I know God's will? Did you know the Bible has the answer to that as well? Let's go over to the New Testament. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I would guess many of you can probably quote these verses with me. But I want you to listen as we read them. Romans 12. Look at verse number 1. 
It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want to know God's will for your life? Let me, let me make it very clear to you. First of all, surrender. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Do you know what a sacrifice is? Certainly in the minds of people in the Bible days, they understood this. You take a lamb or an animal, and you would slit the throat of that animal, and it would, the blood would flow out onto that altar. And then, depending on the sacrifice, it would be burned there. That was a dying sacrifice. The will and even the very life of that animal came to an end at the altar. Now, we haven't been called to be a dying sacrifice. We've been called to be a living sacrifice unto God. You know what that means? It means to come before the Lord every single day and lay ourselves on the altar and say, Lord, I'm coming to the end of my will and even my own life, and I'm just giving it over to you. I'm letting you do with me what you want to do. Surrender to God and say, Lord, I am yours. Whatever you want to do with me, you have full authority to do that. Here's the problem. Sometimes we want to find the will of God so that we can decide if we want to do it. It doesn't work that way. You don't come to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? And if it's something that is, you know, acceptable to you, then okay, I'll do that. No, if it's not, if it's not really what I want, then I'll go my own way. We don't get the option. If you want to know God's will, you, you learn it by first giving yourself to it. Lord, I'm all in. Whatever you say, Here, here's the blank check of my life. You, put, you fill it in, whatever you want. Surrender. Secondly, seeking. Seek Him. Walk with Him. Fellowship with God. Walk in, in fellowship with Him. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Well, the world constantly is flooding into your mind every day, isn't it? All your interactions, all the things you see on TV, on the internet, that you listen to on the radio, all these things are flooding into your mind and corrupting your mind, really. And so it has to be renewed and renewed and renewed. How, how does our mind get renewed? Two very simple things, the Word of God and prayer. We walk with God. We pray. We fill ourselves with the Word of God. And what happens? Our mind is renewed. And that begins to transform us. Walk with God. Seek after God. Know Him. And if you're seeking Him and surrendered to Him, and oh, by the way, serving Him, He'll lead you into His perfect will for your life. He will guide you. You go back through the Bible. I, I dare you to find a person that was greatly used of God who God called when He was busy doing nothing sitting around. You don't find it. The people that God used, he called them from a place where they were already busy serving. They already had their hand to the work. He called David from the sheepfold. He called 
Elisha when Elisha was plowing with oxen. I mean, you, you go through the Bible, you find even when he called Paul, Paul was busy. He wasn't busy doing the right thing, but he was busy, wasn't he? He was busy persecuting Christians. He said, hey, no, 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 I've, I've called you, I've ordained you to preach. He turned him around, but he was busy. And friend, if you really want to know, what, God, what do you want from me? It's very simple. Yield your life to him. God, whatever it is, whatever you have called me for, whatever you have created me for, whatever you've chosen me for, I'm yours. Do it. Surrender. Seek him. Walk with him. Make it not just part of your life, not just part of your day. Make it your life. Make it your day to walk with God. Be in fellowship with him. Pray and talk to the Lord throughout the day. Meditate on his word. Draw nigh unto God and let him draw nigh unto you. Surrender to him. Seek him and serve him. Get busy serving and God will show you that he has a purpose for you. He has a place for you. Find God's will and do it. Do it.